So, I don't know if you remember this, but in 10th grade biology, we learned this concept called cell mitosis. Does anybody remember this? This is basically when you have one cell and it whoop, becomes two cells and then it whoop, becomes four cells and everything. When I was uh, serving at a church in Atlanta, we had a guy, I was talking about this concept we're going to talk about today. This guy came up and said, hey, I have a video that kind of shows kind of what you're talking about. And so he said, we have this real powerful microscope and we can actually record this happening. So, there you go. There's a cell. Now watch this. It's sitting there in the nucleus and the DNA stuff and all there and it's sitting there. And then all of a sudden this force comes and whoop, makes a two. And then this other fourth come, force comes and whoop. There you go. Now you saw cell mitosis. Thank you for coming today. No, just kidding. <clears throat> now, I want to tell you a totally different story that seemingly has nothing to do with that. When I was in college, I met with a guy named Todd Harper and he was helping me learn and, and follow Jesus because I didn't know everything and so he was helping me out and so we would meet uh, once a morning uh, once a week in the morning for breakfast and so I know like you when you think of great breakfast places with fantastic pancakes of course you think <laughs> I have no idea why down at A&M the Taco Cabana served pancakes doesn't seem to be like their wheelhouse but they did and they were $1.99 and it was awesome so I got mine, I sat down, he was paying, and then he came over and then he said, hey, is this seat taken? And I'm looking around like, there's, dude, there's only like two people and we know each other, we're here to meet, what are you talking? So then he sits down, he sticks his hand out and he says, hey, I'm Todd Harper. And so I'm like, what is happening? So I grab his hand, hey, I'm Chris Averd. Did I mention we already know each other? So I'm like, what is happening? He said, so hey, Chris, I understand that you're a Christian, a Christ follower, tell me about how, how you become one of those. And then I was like, Oh, I see what you're doing. <laughs> and so he had me practice sharing my faith with him, sharing the gospel with him. And I did it, and I can still remember today. I mean, like this was yesterday. He said, hey, Chris, you did a great job. Loved, you really hit all the high marks, nailed it. The only thing is, um, if you're going to tell me about the greatest thing that's ever happened in the history of humanity, you might want to look me in the eye. To this day, when I share my faith, which is not nearly enough, in the back of my head, Todd Harper is telling me, look him in the eye, look him in the eye, look him in the eye. Now, what do these two stories have to do with one another? Seemingly nothing. I actually think these have everything to do with multiply. And I would actually say this statement. I think one of the reasons that the Western, and this may be the main reason, that the Western church is doing so poorly is because of this, what we're going to talk about today, that Jesus, when he left, he said, I'm leaving. I've just shown you how to do something. I want you to keep doing that and just do that. And then I'll come back. And unfortunately, for some reason, I don't know, 50, 60 years ago, we just kind of said, okay, God, that's cool. We know that you told us to do that. We're not really going to do that, but thanks for saying that. And so I think the church is struggling because of it. And so here's kind of the concept. I'm gonna put it up on the screen. You may wanna write this down. This is gonna blow your mind. You're not gonna be able to understand this amazing statement I'm about to make. Are you ready for it? Here it comes. Christ followers should follow Christ. I know, I know. Let's just marinate in it for a second because it's so deep. Christ followers should follow Christ. If Jesus, if I'm gonna follow Jesus, I follow Jesus. Jesus wears a red shirt every Thursday. What should I do? Wear a red shirt on Thursdays, right? So, I want us to look at this this morning, this idea of what, what is it that Jesus asked us to do, showed us what to do, 
and then ask ourselves, if I'm a Christ follower, am I following Christ? So we're going to be looking actually at a passage in 2 Timothy. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and go to 2 Timothy. If you're with us today and you don't have a Bible, we have one for you in the pew. You're welcome to take it. 2 Timothy is a book that's way to the right in the Bible. If you go to Revelation, you went too far, come back to the left. So whenever you're trying to understand the Bible, context, context, context. It's super important. Who's writing it? Who's he writing to? What's going on geopolitically? All the, you, gotta, you need to know these things. So let me give you the context. Paul is writing to a guy named Timothy. That's the title of the book. Timothy is a young, never before been a pastor. He's a pastor of a church in a town called Ephesus. Now earlier, Paul wrote a book to the whole church, and it's called Ephesians. Then he writes these two books, specifically to Timothy, who's the pastor. The first book is more kind of doctrinal, kind of the, the truths of the faith, uh, kind of to correct some things. The second one is seemingly more like just like an older pastor writing a brand new pastor, giving him tips and tangible ideas of how to lead and grow his church. And so that's this one. The other thing about 2 Timothy that's interesting, Paul is writing this from prison. This is the last recorded words that we have from Paul. So Paul... This is kind of the last thing we know that he wrote. And he, I'm sure, knows that he's about to die for the faith. So here's, that's the, where we're, we're, how we're coming out of this morning. So the very first verse says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Now, he has, let me stop right there. He says, you then, and he addresses Timothy. And he doesn't say, new pastor, he doesn't even say necessarily friend. He doesn't say my disciple. He calls him my child. If you have the NIV, he actually is translated my son. There's two words there in the Greek he could have chosen from. Huios is, is the normal word like for my male offspring who's going to inherit my stuff. <laughs> he could have gone with that. But he goes with technon. Technon is a much more intimate term, my child. It's kind of like when you, you know, you maybe grab your child and, and you say, you're my son, you're my daughter. It's kind of that language. Now, said, why am I pointing that out? One of the things that we're talking about today is this idea of discipleship and disciple making. And I think one of the missing pieces for us has been that it's super highly relational. And I have made this mistake when I've discipled guys in my past. We've kind of forgotten this part, that it's so, it runs on the rails of relationship. <clears throat> There's a guy, in a, he runs a church down in downtown Dallas, it's called Reunion Church. He is all about what we're talking about today. He's so all about it, I had him come speak to our staff at the previous church that I worked at. When he was in that meeting, he made the following statement that I'll put up here, and this thing is burned into my bread, into my brain. It says, does your disciple know that you love them? Does your disciple know that you love them? And what he was talking about is he said, look, you guys brought me in here to talk about discipleship and you think I'm gonna tell you a bunch of you know, techniques and what curriculum to use and exactly how long you should meet and how many verses you should remember. You're, you're talking methodology. And he's, his point was, you need to think that through a little bit, but the main thing that when you're meeting with someone and you're passing the faith onto them, the main thing they need to know is you love them. They're not gonna remember all the stuff you told them. They're going to remember what? That you loved them. So super, super important. Now let's go on. The next verse is really the kind of the crux of what we're talking about this morning. This is, so this is really easy to remember. 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. So 2.2.2. 2, 2. It's really easy. It says, what you've heard from me. So Paul is talking. Paul's talking to Timothy. 
what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust this to faithful men who will also be able to teach others. Now, this is so great what's in this verse. (laughs) And this is what I think is missing when we think about discipleship in the Western church. Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, hey, Timothy, the stuff you told me that I told you, you need to entrust that to reliable men who will then go around and teach other people. So in one verse, you have four generations of the faith. The idea is that it multiplies, it goes on. We're gonna talk a lot more about that here in just a moment. Now, before we go any farther, we're gonna be talking about discipleship, disciple-making, these terms. Now, in America, if I go to any church this morning, heck, I could go into this section right here and I could pass out 10 pieces of paper to 10 random people in any church in America and I could say, write down your definition of what a disciple is. I would get 27 answers from those 10 people. There's a little bit of confusion. What exactly is a disciple? Well, we have spent a lot of time thinking, praying, going over this as a staff. And so I want to show you something that in the, in the weeks and months to come, you're actually going to see up uh, in your life group room. <laughs> and that is our definition of a disciple. Now, before I show it to you, I want to point this out. In the New Testament, the word that is used when they're talking about someone who is a follower of Jesus, that's used 270 times, is the word disciple. The term Christian is only used three times. Now, why am I pointing that out? Unfortunately, in the Western church, in America now, disciple and Christian are not necessarily the same thing. They're supposed to be, but they're not. And you say, what do you mean by that? If I, here, let me give you an example. And think about, think about what you think about when I use these terms. Hey, here's Joe. Joe's a Christian. Hey, here's Joe. Joe is a disciple of Jesus. When I say Joe's a Christian, we mean he's not a Buddhist. <laughs> he's not irreligious. He may even ascribe to the tenets of the Christian faith. When I say Joe is a disciple of Jesus, we think, oh, that guy actually obeys Jesus and does like what he says, like he prays and he shares his faith and does things like that. Unfortunately, in America, I can be a Christian and not do what Jesus said, right? It's frustrating (laughs) because when I'm out in the public and I'm with someone who's not a believer, and they say, are you a Christian? I'm sitting there going, ah, not what you think. Yes, I am a follower of Jesus, but I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm not what you think a Christian is. So now we're going to define the term. We would say here at First McKinney, a disciple is a follower of Jesus who lives and loves like Jesus. And then here's the thing that's like the pow, sends it to the next level and helps others do the same. So for us, a disciple is someone who is a follower of Jesus, who lives and loves like Jesus, and is helping others do the same. This is hugely important, hugely important. Most churches that I've ever worked at, that I've ever known, when we talk, and most Christians, when we say I'm a disciple, we mean it's about me. I am, I am a, I'm going to be a better Christ follower. By the way, there's nothing wrong with that. You should do that. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. But what is absent in most churches in their definition of a disciple and their, their thought about what discipleship is, is that it goes past you. Let me give you an example. If you've ever been in a discipleship group, 
most of the time, let me give you, this is very common. I'm going to get some guys together. We're going to watch a Francis Chan video. We're going to get a book. We're going to fill in all the blanks, and we're going to meet every week, and we are going to talk about our life in Christ. But then when we kind of get to the last chapter of the book or the last video, then it's kind of like, what do, I don't where, I don't know what we do. And a lot of times those groups, if you've ever been in one, most of the time they just fizzle out. They just stop meeting. You just, they just kind of go away. No way. There's no way that Jesus, when he met with his disciples, they didn't know. <laughs> when Paul was talking to Timothy, there's no way that when they thought about discipleship that they thought, well, I guess Paul will just talk to me and then, and then I guess it'll just kind of end with me. This idea of multiplication, of it going on, is huge. This is, to me, the missing piece. And we'll talk about this some more in just a second. So that's what a disciple is. Then what is disciple making? It's pretty simple. I enter into a relationship to intentionally help others to live in love like Jesus. It's the reason I can meet with a guy that's my my numeric age or older than me. Now, that's kind of weird to meet with an older man for discipleship. But if my intention is not, I'm not here to show you how to do all this stuff. I'm trying to give you some equipping things so you can do this with someone else. We'll talk about this more in just a second again. Now, why is this such a big deal? This idea that I'm going to intentionally meet with someone to help pass on the faith. Several reasons. One, though, is being a Christ follower is not what I would call instinctive. You say, what do you mean by that? If, if you were on a desert island, <laughs> would you know how to pray? If you say, yeah, I know how to pray, I'd say, yeah, you know how to pray because you were with people. How did you learn how to pray? Well, hopefully if you had parents, they prayed with you. Maybe you prayed over meals. Maybe they prayed when they put you to bed. Maybe you went to a church. You were sitting around. You, you heard other people pray. That's how you learned how to pray. You didn't read a book or watch a video about it. Other people invested in you, and that's how you know how to do that. Why is this disciple-making so important? Because that's the number one way to pass on the faith. And let me say this. What I'm talking about today is the plan. We're gonna, we'll talk about it in a second, but this is the method that God is going to use to redeem mankind, to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. This is how it grows, is this whoop, whoop, whoop idea of cell mitosis. Now, I want to say again, this whole thing has got to be highly, highly relational. It's not necessarily about what book you study or what video you watch. I'm not against books and video, I'm not. But it's much more about relationship. I found when I was studying this, in fact, a friend of mine sent me this quote. It's from the great Timothy Keller who just went to be with the Lord. This is a great quote. He says, the gospel was spread in the early church by personal conversations and life examples, not through programs. And good thing Sam's not here, not even through preachers. Nobody in the first century church, when the church was exploding and taking over all of Rome, nobody said, oh man, we ought to go to that church and listen to that guy preach. That just wasn't a thing. So how did the church blow up like that? Personal conversations and life examples. These are the things that are paramount when it comes to discipleship. In fact, uh, I think Warren Samuels showed us this verse maybe a couple of weeks ago. This verse is awesome. This is Paul again talking, except he's talking to the church in Thessalonica, and he says, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, in other words, we did share the gospel, there is, and we'll talk about this in a second, truth, 
but our lives as well. This is super, super important when it comes to our discipling relationships. I think what Paul's trying to say in in these couple of verses, there's three big elements that have to be there if we're going to do this the way Jesus did it. First of all, you have to have instructions in the truths of the faith, and that's mainly through the Bible, okay? So because I'm harping on the relational side of it, you may be thinking, oh, you're saying the Bible's not important. No, (laughs) I have never, ever in my life known somebody that I said, that guy walks with Jesus, that lady walks with Jesus, that that person was not also a student of God's word. So please hear me, it's super important. It's just not the only thing. The other element I think that he has in there is the idea of companionship, the relational aspect of ministry, doing it with someone. And then finally, the multiplication idea. Again, you see it in this verse. Paul says, hey, Timothy, don't just take the stuff I told you and just go, oh, I'll just, it'll sit with me. I need you to tell some other guys and don't just tell them Tell them in a way that they would turn around and tell somebody else. So you see four generations, this idea of multiplication, the whoop, 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 whoop idea. It's the reason, like if you guys ever wondered why we chose this logo, this is the idea. Whoop, whoop, it just keeps going out and out and out. It just keeps growing. So you may be asking, well, why, Chris, you say this is the method to grow the kingdom. Why is this the method? I wish I had a whole other sermon to talk about this. I don't, so I'm going to be real quick. This is the best way because it's the most effective. (laughs) We in America, and especially as Texans, in Texas, we love everything big. The problem with that is, like, if if Jesus came, God came to us and said, hey, I want to start a movement that's going to take over the whole world. Let's brainstorm some ideas. Awesome. This is what we would do. We would say, cool, let's go to the Colosseum over in Rome, of course, in Jesus' day, you can put it, pack 50,000 people in there every night. We're going to get some social media. We're going to buy some ads. We're going to do a skywriter. Uh, we're going to shoot off some lasers. It's going to be awesome. We're going to bring in some real famous Christian singer, and we're going to blow it out. We're going to have 50,000 in the Coliseum every night. That's what we would have said. God says, uh, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to have Jesus come, and he's going to pick 12 pretty ordinary guys, and he's going to spend three years with them. And that will change everything. We're in church today in McKinney in 2023 because that plan worked. Not because he did some big thing, because of the whoop, whoop, whoop idea. The other thing that I would say is two more things about this. I found this quote. I love this quote. Disciples are handcrafted one at a time. They're not mass produced in a weekly service or class. Now, before you say, oh my gosh, Chris says we don't need to go to worship or life group anymore. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying the reason we meet in here, there is a purpose why we meet in here, and it's mainly for worship. There's a purpose in our life group, a very biblical purposes there. Then we have this environment where we're having a one-on-one or one-on-three, a small group of discipling, disciple-making relationships. That's where I think the best environment for this idea of discipleship to happen, but it happens real, they're handcrafted, right? If we had time, I wish I could go into this. There's a great book. It's called The Other Half of Church by a guy named Michael Hendricks. And the gist of the book is we now know because of neuroscience how the brain works and how it affects how we live. And so this book basically says almost all of the discipleship material that we have is aimed at your left brain. 
which is where you, the, you know, the facts about the Bible, the facts about uh, you know, tithing and things like this. What most of our, our discipleship material is not, is does not engage the right brain, which is highly about relationships. And is actually the most effective at actually creating life change is actually right brain kind of things. You say, what do you mean? Think about this. Left brain is knowing stuff. Right brain is a little more feelings, relationship, blah, blah, blah. You have probably said this either about yourself or someone else. Tell me if this sounds familiar. I don't know why I just did that. I know better. I don't know why she did that. She knows better. We know, we know that just knowing stuff doesn't actually change. It's not the best way to solve and to make true life change. There's a lot of other elements. That's, that's what that book's about. I don't have time to get into that, but it's pretty sweet. Now, you may be sitting here today going, Chris, okay, I don't disagree with you all. In fact, I actually kind of agree with you, but I have a couple of things that probably are holding me back. One of them may be, I have to know everything about the Bible, about God, about end times. I have to explain the Crusades. I have to memorize the book of Leviticus if I'm going to ever disciple someone. And I would say, mm, I don't know about that. We just got done talking. Jesus-style Jesus disciple-making at its heart is really about relationship. And let me throw this out to you. If you were meeting with someone and you were afraid that they were going to ask you something and you think, I don't know, I won't know the answer. Can I tell you, it is a totally acceptable answer to say this. I don't know. Let's find out together. And let me tell you why that's better than you knowing the answer. If you always have all the answers, the guy that you're meeting with or the lady you're meeting with, are they going to turn around and meet with someone else? Maybe not, because you've created what's called an expert culture, and they're thinking, I'm not an expert. However, if they ask you a question, you say, I don't know. That's a great question. Let's, let's find that together. Let, here, let me show you. This is called a commentary, and we can look in here. Then the chance of them turning around and doing something else goes up because they're thinking, well, no, I know how to, I, I don't need to know everything. I need to know where to find these answers. And Chris showed me how to do that or whoever showed, does that make sense? So that, that's okay to not know everything. They don't need you to know everything. They need you to show you how you find out answers. The other one may be, you know, Chris, I'm not a pastor. I'm not Sam Holm. I'm not like this super Christian person. My answer on that is do a really, really quick study on who were Jesus' disciples. <laughs> Not a crack bunch, okay? <laughs> Most of them were fishermen, which that was a very common Joe job. Uh, one dude, uh, Matthew, was a tax, he was basically like an IRS agent. Uh, another dude was like a political hothead guy named Simon the Zealot. I mean, let me ask you this question. How many religious leaders did Jesus pick to start this movement? Big fat zero. <laughs> Not a single guy on the team was a religious bigwig. So what does that tell us? I don't have to be that to do this. He picked 12 normal guys, and they were pretty wheels off if you read about them. Can I also show you this great quote from William Barclay? I love this, because when we're giving these, we're talking about these misconceptions, especially this one, I'm not something, I'm begging of you, don't think about what you're not. Think about what you are. And William Barclay says this, every Christian must look on themselves as the link between two generations. And you say, what do you mean two generations? Somebody told you about Jesus. Somebody showed you how to pray. 
Somebody showed you how to read your Somebody invested in you to help you walk with Jesus. Don't let it end on you. <laughs> you're the link to someone else. So don't think about what you're not. Think about what you are. You're the link between two generations. Now, if you're like me, I hear a guy preach or a guy teach or whatever, I always ask this question. Well, so what? What do you want me to do? <laughs> so I'm just a very plain Jane. Tell me what you want me to do. So let me give you three possible applications to today. The first one is this. Pursue Christ more seriously. Now, hear me out here. I just got done telling you it's, it's really highly relational and you don't have to have all the answers. So that's still true. However, if you have a known sin going on in your life where you're really struggling, uh, you, need to, you need to address that. Because what you're wanting to do, I, if you come in my office right now, there's a big thing up. It says 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, and it's Paul. And Paul is saying, it's, this is very convicting. <laughs> Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And I, always, that, I put that up to remind myself, can I tell other people that? Because there are times I'm thinking, you should not follow me. I'm a terrible person. Don't be like me. <laughs> so I still believe, though, that we need to pursue righteousness, holiness, be like Jesus. And so if there's an area that needs to be addressed, address that. Now, again, you don't have to be perfect. The next thing you could do is just ask God, would you show me someone, in that, we have about six weeks, seven, six, seven weeks till Christmas, would you show me someone? In my life, when I have wanted to disciple other people and I haven't had someone, I simply pray a prayer that goes like this, God, open my eyes and ears and show me. And then what happens, now it doesn't happen immediately, is I walk around and then somebody will come in, I will see somebody, I'll see them talking, whatever, we'll have a conversation. And I mean, it's like a two by four in the back of my head, God says, that's them, that's him, that's him. And then I go approach him and said, hey, why don't we start meeting together and help each other follow Jesus? And I have a very high success rate. <laughs> it's amazing how much people really want to do this if they're just asked. Now, if you say, cool, Chris, uh, I'll do that. But then when I get them, what do I do with them? I'm very excited about this, very excited. We've been working a lot. And this, in 2024, we're going to be putting out a lot of information. Ben Purvis, our discipleship minister, he's been working on this like tons. We're going to be able to equip you with what would I do if I met someone? At a minimum, until then, can I throw this out to you? When you meet with them, go over this stuff. Hey, do you know how to pray? Do you have like a method of prayer? I'll sh let me show you how I pray. Hey, man, do you read the Bible? Can I show you the plan that I use? Can I show you how I read it and then how I pray and then how I say, okay, God, what do you want me to do this week in, in, in light of this? Hey, man, if somebody asked you why you're a Christian, how you became a Christian. Could you tell them? Hey, let's work on that. There's this thing called the three circles. Let's do it together and let's practice on one another. Kind of like what Todd Harper did with me at Taco Cabana. If you just did that, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. And again, we're going to have a lot more to say about that in next year. Finally, if you're a leader in our church, can I ask you, I'm going to challenge you, what could I do with this thing? Multiply yourself. If you're the captain of one of the parking team ministry, parking ministry team thing, why not, why not get somebody and so next year we have two of those? Why would you not do that? If you lead anywhere in our church, why would you not pull someone alongside you and say, hey, do this with me, and then now we have two? I'm going to step on some toes now. All right, here we go. If you, just be prepared. Send your emails to sam at firstmckinney. If you've been teaching life groups, for like 27 years, 
And in 27 years, you have never brought up somebody under you and taught them how to teach other people. Come on. Let's have a goal of doing that this year. That would be awesome. Not just teaching God's word, but actually raising up a new teacher. Now, one of the last things he tells them in this chapter is he says this, remember Jesus Christ. Now, I think this is funny. I don't think Timothy was un- <laughs> had forgotten about Jesus Christ. But why would Paul tell him that? And I think it's this. Paul never got over his encounter with Jesus. If you're here today and you, you're not even sure if you're a disciple, if you're coming in here today and you're thinking, I don't even know what I'm doing in here, if these people knew how I'd live my life, if God knew how I'd live my life, he'd probably strike me like with a lightning bolt. I've been really bad in my life. Can I just say this to you? The guy that's writing this is a guy named Paul. That wasn't always his name. At one time, his name was Saul. Saul killed Christians. I'm pretty sure you're not doing that. So when you say, I've lived a pretty bad life, I bet you're better than Saul. But Saul had an encounter with Jesus and it changed his life forever. And so why is he telling Timothy this? Because I think he's just saying, I can't get over this guy. He's what motivates everything about my life. He graced me, he forgave me. And so if you're here today and you don't know that you're, if you don't know if you're a disciple of Jesus, can I just say this to you? Don't worry about everything I've just been talking about. You don't need to worry about making other disciples. You need to settle the question, am I a disciple of Jesus? And we would love nothing more than to talk with you about that. When we're finally done in here, if you just go out those doors down, just down the hallway, we got people, it would make our month to just talk to you about how you can be a disciple of Jesus. And all it involves is this, basically. <laughs> At its core, this is it. That there's a kingdom. There's a real kingdom. And it has a king. And that king's name is Jesus. He came down here. He lived a perfect life. He died in our place. Should have been us. He came back from the dead. Went back to God. And he's coming back. And if you'll just repent, which is change your thinking about who he is, believe what I just told you, and follow him, you can be a part of that kingdom now and forever. Now, last thing. I'm a pretty visual learner. I'm going to go ahead and ask my, my ushers to come on, start passing out something to you, because I'm a visual learner. 67% of any audience is, are visual learners. If you're not a visual learner, just take this and amuse me. So, years ago... I don't know, I was spending time with the Lord and I had this visual hit my mind. And that's this. Does anybody know what this is? What is this? So wake. And so I had this visual that I'm sitting on the back of this boat and I'm looking back. And what is a wake? A wake simply shows the journey that that boat has been on, right? But I had this idea that I was standing with Jesus. And this haunts me and convicts me and motivates. In fact, if you go to my office, you'll also see a picture of this, <laughs> a picture of the wake. And I just felt like Jesus was asking me, who will you have in your wake? I gave my life to Christ when I was nine years old. Let's say that I live, I don't know, to a ripe old age of 80. What I don't want to happen <laughs> is for me to stand before Jesus and give an account for my life and he asks me, hey Chris, remember I, le- I showed those guys how to do it, I left and I said, hey, I want you to make disciples until I get back. So how did that go? How- who's in your wake? Can you name me some names of people? I don't wanna stand there after 71 years and go, 
I, I worked at a church. We had this many coming on Sunday. Oh, our budget got up to blah, 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 blah. Oh, we did a building. He's going to go, that's cool. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but what about, remember I, I said make disciples. How did that go? Can you name me some names? And I don't, I don't want to have, I don't want to sit there and have no names to give him. <laughs> so that begs the question that we're going to finish with today that we kind of started with. And that would be the issue there. As a Christ follower, did I follow Christ? Let's pray. Father, thanks for your word. God, thanks for this example that you gave us in your own life. God, thank you uh, for what we see with Paul talking to Timothy today about this most important of topics. It's the thing that you told us to do. There's, it's not confusing, really, God. God, I pray that you would use your word today and any words that came out of my mouth to inspire us, to encourage us to be about your business, to join you in this worldwide crusade, God, to bring the kingdom here. God, we believe this is the method. It's what you modeled for us. It's what you are saying here in 2 Timothy 2.2. And so, God, we, we just want to be about what you're about. God, help us to do that this week. And we say that in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're almost done. I do want to run through something. If you were here last week, this will be a little bit of a repeat, but every, every, every week we have a whole bunch of new people that come that couldn't come last week. So I want to update us uh, on Multiply. Now, we, did, we kind of highlighted Multiply back in February. That was nine months ago. So God has brought us a lot of new people in the interim. So if you're with us, and I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but there's going to be people in this very room that joined our church in the last nine months. And when we all wear our little Multiply shirts and talk about Multiply, they're sitting there going, what are y'all talking about? So let me give you a real brief, what is Multiply? Multiply is what we think this initiative that God's calling us to. And so last week, uh, Ryan talked about multiplying churches. Oh, I had the wrong clicker. <laughs> last week, Ryan talked about multiplying churches. Today, I was talking about multiplying relationships. And these are the way that, that the gospel goes out and people are made into disciples and then disciple makers. Then the last piece of this, the last bucket in this whole initiative is environments. And I won't go into all of this, but where our students currently meet, it, it, it's not good. I'm <laughs> just to be honest, it's not good. So um, we as a church stepped out and said, we want to excel and grow in all of these things. So why did we do, why did we do Go Love Your Neighbor? What we were talking about today, relationships, all right? So let me just kind of give you an update when it comes to the building, the environments piece, okay? This is a map. The red is where the rock currently sits. It will go away. We will now have a, think, community lobby connection where finally all the buildings are actually connected. So when we have a first-time guest and they have kids, we don't say, okay, we're going to go over here, and then we're going to go over here, and then you're going to go outside where it's 105. Uh, and by the way, you should have done breadcrumbs because you're never going to find your way back. And then come back in. Oh, and then you need to get your kids out. So now it's all going to be together. And then a student, a, a new student building. Um, this is kind of a new front entrance. Let me go back. So this, this will be a nice new main front entrance. I don't know if you know this. Our church is the church of many doors. Like if you have somebody new coming here and you say, hey, I'll just meet you at church. And they say, okay, cool. Where do I meet you? Then you're like, um, well, it's the door kind of by the thing. Now it'll be no, 
it'll be painfully obvious. Here's our front main entrance. It'll be really cool. Here's this main lobby area. I talked about this last week. Of course, because we want Jesus to move in our church, we have to have coffee. So there's your coffee bar. <clears throat> this is a, going into the student building. You can see the, the, the kids building will be right around there. Worship center, everything all in one place. This is the front entrance to the uh, student area. It's kind of main meeting room. They have another big room for playing around, but it's kind of multi-purpose room. So that's that. Uh, just to update you, uh, we started again uh, in April on our two-year giving. And uh, so we're, whatever that is, seven months in, we've given about six and a half million dollars, which is awesome. Um, and then uh, the reason you haven't seen much, in fact, Mark talked about it, we were so excited the portables left. We were out there like, whoa, this is awesome. Because for months and months, all we did is wait for the architects to do all their drawings. So that's got to, you got to have, that's got to happen. But for the rest of us, it's like, kind of like, is anything happening? Yes, things are happening. We just don't all see it. So finally, they're done with the drawings. They're being sent to the subcontractors to get prices. We should have a price right before uh, Thanksgiving, like the total price. Uh, that'll go to the executive committee. They'll, green, you know, they'll give us hopefully the green light to move forward. Then we'll send it to the city in December, uh, wait for them to approve it all. And if we stay on track, uh, maybe mid-February breaking ground. And then they think it's like 15, 16 months to do the whole thing. So maybe summer of 2025, we'll cut the ribbon. And then we'll have a facility to continue doing what I just talked about today with our teenagers. Again, we're not excited about a building. We're excited to have a place that facilitates discipleship ministries where we're training up students and saying, hey, when you go to college, when you go into the military, when you go get that job, you understand that God has you there for a reason, to multiply. Not, don't just keep that to yourself. I'm super, super excited about that. So uh, what I want to do is uh, if you have in, right in front of you, everybody humor me for just a second, right in front of you, in the pew, in the little rack, you have a multiply card, looks like this. Everybody pull it out and show it to me just to amuse me, just, just for the fun of it, because it's fun to hold this. Yes, yeah, see, good, great job. Okay. So. Here's the deal, and I'm talking now mainly to people that maybe weren't with us back in, uh, back in February, or maybe you were with us, and just when we did our commitment as a church, and we all came together and said, hey, we want to sacrifice, we believe in what this is about, and we want to sacrifice and make this happen. Either you weren't with us, or maybe it just wasn't a good time to make a commitment. Uh, I am going to challenge you today, because we challenged our church, and here was our challenge to our church, and this is real rocket science stuff. Why don't you go talk to God? Go have a personal encounter with God as it relates to your giving to the mission of God. Just go talk to him and say, what would you have me do? So we challenged all our church to do that and trusted him for the response. And it's been awesome. But if you're new to our church and you're a part of us, then I want to extend that same uh, invitation to join us to commit just like we've all done. So really quickly, I want to go over this just so you, the card may make sense. I'm going to be as quick as possible. Use really round numbers. First box basically says, what would I normally give, what would my, my normal giving to the church be in a month? I'm going to use round number. I'm going to say 100. Then, what is my expanded giving? In other words, what do I feel like God's asking me to go above and beyond? So again, easy math. I'm going to say another 100 bucks. So I'm going to give 200 bucks a month. Now, how long are we talking? Well, again, we're already about seven months. Uh, no, is that right? Yeah, seven months into a two-year giving thing. So if you do this card today, you have 17 more months. So then you would multiply that. That would give you 3,400. 
Then this final box is, is called stored resources. What is a stored resource? Well, it could be anything. I mean, maybe you have stocks. Maybe you have a, a boat that you're like tired of taking care of. You're like, I'm gonna sell that stupid boat. Um, some of you, I mean, some of you will, here's an idea, just throwing this out, talk to God about it. I'm not telling you to do this. You're gonna get a Christmas bonus. God, what do you want me to do with my Christmas bonus? Talk to him. Um, we had the coolest story about a month ago. Got a call from a member here, a 93-year-old member. Said, I want to come in and talk to you. Uh, she and her son come in, and they said, we just recently, I think, sold some land, I think is what it was, and we've come into this money, and we wanted to give it all to the work of the Lord. It was a lot of money. It was awesome. Not because the amount of money, because, but the heart behind it. It was so great that she was thinking, God has blessed me, and I want to use this to bless others so that it would multiply. It was awesome. So for easy math, I'm going to put a 600 in here. And so there's 4,000. Now, you just fill the card out. What do I do with that card, Chris? I'm glad you asked. All you got to do, there's little baskets when you leave at the doors. You could throw it in there. Uh, the blue boxes around the church, you could throw it in there. If you see a staff member, just give it to them, and it'll get to us. Uh, whatever. If you want to come talk about it, come by. We can talk about it. No problem. So I am going to challenge you to... To, to pray, but don't fill the card out yet. Take the card with you, go talk to God, then fill the card out, bring it back, and join with us in what God's doing here. Now, last thing, last thing, and we're almost done. If you go out here and you go to the current connection that we have, what you're going to see is this M. There you can see it on the screen. It's about this tall. It's a big M. It's got little holes in the top. Beside it is a, is a couple of baskets, and it has these ping pong balls in it. You may have seen it by walking by. I'm asking you whether you're if you're committing today for the first time, or if you're like, dude, Chris, I was here the whole time. I'm, I'm giving, I'm, I'm totally on board with this. I'm praying for this. I'm, I've, been on, I've been in from the get-go. I don't care. <laughs> Wherever you find yourself, I'm asking everybody to do this today. Head to the connection, grab a ping pong ball, and what I want you to do is grab a Sharpie, and I want you to write the name of somebody that you would like to see come into the kingdom. And you say, why are we doing this, Chris? to reinforce and to remind us what is multiply about. It is not about a building. It is about multiplying disciples. That's what it is. So just to remind us, that's what we're doing. Yeah, that's what we're doing. Go out there, write somebody's name, and drop it in the M. It's be a cool, cool visual for us to remind us what are we doing here. All right? Let me pray for us, and we'll be, we'll be done this morning. Father, you're awesome. You're so awesome to invite us to join with you in this grand plan to redeem mankind. God, when we obey you, when we obey you, that's what shows you that we love you. That's what brings you glory. God, I think about my own children. When I ask them to do something and they say yes, it honors me. I feel, I feel honored as the dad. God, when they don't do it, I feel dishonored as a dad. God, we want to join you in what you're doing with multiply with making disciples. Because when we obey you, that brings you glory. And that's what this is all about. That's why we're here. That's why we exist, is to glorify you and enjoy you. So God, you're awesome. We pray that you are honored by the way that we live our lives this week. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Go. All right, have a great week. 
Thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we wanna invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's gonna preach the Bible and exalt Jesus? Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.